Hello, and welcome to Boston Private Perspectives. I'm Shannon Sakosha, Chief Investment Officer at Boston Private. As we move closer to the November election, and we continue to brace for what could be another wave of COVID-19 in the U.S., one of the challenges we face is how best to position our portfolios to balance the opportunity presented by stimulus infused into the economy with the acknowledgement that we could see more volatility, particularly in the short term, as the pandemic remains present in our day-to-day lives. Of course, history points to bonds as the best way to balance out the volatility of stocks over the longer term. But there are no assets more under fire today than bonds. Okay, maybe energy stocks. But the reasons are pretty clear. First, the yields are just so low. When comparing bond income to dividend income, dividends can probably get you a better yield even without dipping too far down in quality as it relates to the companies. In addition, during the depths of the market swoon earlier this year, credit performed pretty poorly, especially bonds issued by hard-hit consumer companies, as changes in the ability of large banks to hold bonds on their balance sheets limited the number of market participants to provide needed liquidity. Finally, return assumptions are fairly muted over the next few years for fixed income. While bond investors often look at the coupon for their return expectation, during the past two decades, capital appreciation in the form of spread compression has been a significant driver of performance. So, rates are low and are going to stay that way. Corporate bonds might be a little bit more volatile than one would expect, and spreads are not likely to compress that much more in the next couple of years. So why even bother? There are three good reasons. One, as I've already mentioned, is volatility. Bonds tend to have very low volatility, as measured by standard deviation, compared with other asset classes that would typically be included in a portfolio. While many asset classes are perceived to be safe havens during times of market dislocation, such as gold, many of these safe havens actually have standard deviation or volatility levels that are much higher than even equities in some cases. As such, during these periods of dislocation, stock investors often sell their stocks and reallocate to their bonds or add bonds to their portfolio if they didn't have exposure previously. The challenge with reallocating at this time is that bonds become increasingly precious and prices rise fairly quickly during these periods of market crisis. As a result, it makes sense to have a longer term bond allocation appropriate with your overall risk tolerance and time horizon so that you're not forced to do this reallocation when bonds are precious and instead can lock in lower prices and higher yields earlier on in the economic cycle. When thinking about volatility dampening, usually we're thinking about incorporating U.S. government bonds or high-quality corporate bonds into a portfolio or perhaps even municipal bonds if the portfolio is for a taxable investor. There are times, however, 
particularly when we are entering into a period of economic recovery where investors may be looking to the high yield market to take advantage of this accelerating economic momentum. While high yield bonds are certainly riskier than U.S. government and high yield corporate bonds, because they have a place in the capital structure that is higher than equities, high yield bonds can be a substitute for some of the equity beta that you have in your portfolio. So while we wouldn't necessarily equate the risk profile of high yield bonds with that of treasuries, you could potentially see high yield bonds being substituted for a portion of your equity portfolio, providing some cash flow, but also participating in the directional move of the economy and in the stock market. The second reason to buy bonds revolves around principal protection and known cash flows. Unlike stocks, bonds have a specific maturity date when bondholders are contractually required to receive back their principal investment. They also have coupon payments that are paid at a known rate and on a known frequency, and therefore can be incorporated into financial planning or used as an income source for retirees. The threat to both this principal protection, which is that repayment of PAR at the maturity date, as well as to these coupon payments, are that the issuer could potentially default. There is very little likelihood that for U.S. government-backed bonds that we would see such a default. And while the risk certainly rises in the corporate bond space, for high-quality corporate bonds, default rates remain very low, and we would anticipate them to be so over the next several years. High-yield bonds, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, have a higher potential default rate, given that they are typically issued by lower-quality companies with what I would say, uh, weaker balance sheets than those in the investment grade space. However, there are still opportunities to invest in the higher quality end of high yield and still experience a fairly low default rate profile. A third differentiator for the bond market, certainly versus equities, has to do with the overall efficiency of the market. In that, it's not particularly efficient. As you look out over the bond market, it remains very much what we call an over-the-counter market still. While some technology enhancements and platforms have provided better matching between buyers and sellers, the ample liquidity and lack of slippage that we see in equity markets, particularly here in the United States, is not replicated in the bond market. Instead, a disparate and fairly large group of buyers and sellers are negotiating on pricing for issues every day. Therefore, an active manager, with a more, particularly one with an opportunistic and more flexible mandate, can potentially outperform an index at a higher frequency than what we experience in the U.S. equity market. And as an investor looking for opportunities to hire a manager with skill 
who can potentially do better than those muted return expectations we mentioned earlier, is attractive in any environment. A word of caution for these times. You may be saying, Shannon, there are other vehicles and strategies that can offer low volatility or cash flows, even principal protection. Hedge funds, non-correlated asset classes, structured products, real estate, all of these can help fill the volatility or income needs in a portfolio. But they all have their own challenges with liquidity or asymmetric potential outcomes, uncertain cash flows, or high fees. An advisor touting the benefits of bonds in a portfolio is not stuck in the past, but rather understands the nature of these investments and has adjusted her expectations for a more challenging return environment over the next several years. We continue to view bonds as a lower risk, lower volatility option for inclusion in portfolios. For investors with long time horizons coupled with high earnings potential, maybe bonds aren't a necessary part of the portfolio today. But for many, this asset class still makes sense, even if it's a bit out of favor to say so. Thanks again for listening to this week's podcast. I want to encourage all of you to reach out to our team here at Boston Private with any questions or concerns you may have. Providing guidance and support as a trusted advisor is our mission. If you have any questions or thoughts on my points today, you can find me on Twitter at Shannon Sakosha. You can also read our latest perspectives on the markets, the economy, taxes, estate planning, and the election by visiting bostonprivate.com. If you want all of this information delivered right to your inbox, I encourage you to sign up for our newsletters while you're on our site. Be sure to subscribe to the Boston Private Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. And I look forward to coming to you next week. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.